and welcome to the Polygamer Podcast, where gaming is for everyone. Join us as we expand the boundaries of the gaming community. Hi, this is your host, Ken Gagney, and joining me today is my co-host, Monica Castillo. Hi, Monica. Hello, Ken. How are you today? I'm great. Monica, it's been so long that we've been wanting to do a podcast together. Thank you for coming on Polygamer. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, I think we've been talking about it for years now. So, Monica, to borrow a line from a friend of mine, who are you? (laughs) I am currently an entertainment reporter and film critic over in New York for the International Business Times. And I am all over the internet on Twitter and Tumblr under Movies. Excellent. And you used to have your own film podcast. I did. It's in a little bit of a hiatus at the moment, but um, I used to co-host a film podcast with critic Andrew Johnson, and uh, that's the old episodes can be found under Cinema Fix. Excellent. And that's actually how we met, because you and I used to work together at a very large company where we were each the social media managers of our respective departments. Mm-hmm. And we were meeting at a cross-department meeting of social media managers, and I was giving a presentation about podcasting. And I got up there and said, if you're going to do a podcast, you need to choose a focused subject. Don't just do a podcast about movies. And then you came up to me afterward and said, I do a podcast about movies. (laughs) I'm like, oh, open mouth, insert foot. It ran for a while. It did pretty well. Well, what I meant when I said that was, don't just do a podcast about any movie you see online, offline, at home, in theaters. Oh, yeah. You know, try to have some sort of a a theme. And your theme was, here's what came out this week. Yeah, new releases. Right. And that was enough of a theme to hold your show together. So that's not what I was meaning when I said, (laughs) don't do a podcast about movies. Don't ever do a podcast about movies. (laughs) And and you were also, were you the the co-chair of the Boston Film Writers? Oh, uh, on... Boston Online Film Critics Association. That's right. Yes. And and that was an organization. Did you co-found it? I did co-found that. Gosh. And you were in that position up until you left for New York City. I did. I left that's a excellent. lot of things to go to New York. <laughs> well, I hope that's worked out well for you. Well, it's gotten me to international business times. Kept me busy. And your time in Boston made me a lot of introductions. In fact, anybody who goes to the Polygamer website can see a photo of you, me, and Anita Sarkeesian and Bob Chipman from the Escapist magazine, Movie Bob. Movie Bob. Yay. So you're the one who introduced me to Miss Sarkeesian. Thank you so much. (laughs) You're welcome. Yeah, that's the six degrees of separation. Something like that. Yeah. And you also got me into a press screening of the Steve Jobs film that came out a few years ago, which I then in turn wrote a freelance review of for Computer World Magazine, my former employer, Mm -hmm. for whom I wrote an anti-doxing article as well. And yet, writing that article did not qualify me to join your exclusive Boston Film Writers Club. I'm sorry. You had to be a regular critic. I think, what was that, your first film review in a while? (laughs) Uh, I think I had also done the movie Her a few months later, but those aren't really reviews per se. Yeah, and they were really far apart. <laughs> uh, one review every five, six months, isn't that enough? Yeah, I don't think as a professional critic <laughs> that qualifies. <laughs> I think my standards are more in line with, say, PAX or E3, where you have to produce two bylines in the past year. Yeah, wow. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the I'm on the weekly beat, so I'm I just did a review for well, this is gonna air later, so never mind all that. Just thought about it. Yeah, at the time that we're recording this, Mad Max just came out yesterday and you've already written a review of it, right? Oh, written a review of Mad Max and Pitch Perfect too. Oh gosh, how was Pitch Perfect? Uh problematic. I'm definitely <laughs> much more in favor of Mad Max, Fury Road. It's interesting you use the word problematic because that's a word I often hear associated with various interpretations and manifestations of feminism, which is a topic that you introduced me to in a variety of ways. Not feminism, but some of the nuances, like, for example, the Bechdel test, Mm -hmm. uh, which in movies is, uh, does the film have two named female characters who talk to each other about something other than men? Yep, and, and if it does have all those, then it passes the Bechdel test, and it's actually rather depressing when you realize how few films do this. Oh, it's so few, and then if you apply that to women of color or queer women, it's even less. And with video games becoming more and more narrative-driven, we can start applying that test to video games as well. Certainly. They are a form of media. Exactly. 
So with all this in mind, the reason you're on the show Polygamer today is not as my guest because you're not too much of a gamer, are you? Yeah, gamer's a strong word for me. I would I would happily go to an arcade, but I don't regularly play anything at the moment. Or in New York City, a barcade. A barcade. I'm a huge fan of barcade. <laughs> me too. But today we are going to be interviewing Shannon Sun Higginson, the director of the film GTFO, a documentary all about women in games, which you can find at gtfothemovie.com. I saw the film recently at the Boston Independent Film Festival, and I saw you walking by, and I'm like, hey, are you going to see this film? And you said, no, you'd already seen it at South by Southwest. Yep. So what prompted you to see that film at that festival where there were so many other things competing for your attention? Yeah, South by is a huge festival, but um, obviously I am a feminist, and I am very interested in the different manifestations that it's interpreted in in the media. Uh, My field is in film, but games is just like the hop skipping away you know the next closest thing or so um so all the different things that have been going on i myself have been harassed online little little personal interests and i decided to you know devote some time and i'm gonna go check this out excellent and you were happy with your experience you liked the film i was i was very intrigued and i got to see a lot of my friends um that i've known either through um game writing or you know i've seen speak at panels about the issues you mean in the audience or in the film? Oh, in the film. Oh, okay, I didn't realize that you knew so many people up there. Knew or like knew of. Now, full disclosure, as I discovered just the night before we recorded this interview, I'm actually in the movie. A surprise, I know. Yay. I didn't even catch your cameo. I feel so bad. <laughs> well, you know, when I saw the film and I saw one of the scenes, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I was at Boston Fig 2013 when they were filming that. And I remember thinking, I wonder what they're filming for. And then two years later, I see it in the movie. I'm like, oh, there's the answer to the question I forgot I had two years ago. But I didn't see myself in the movie until I went back home and I watched the trailer. And if you freeze frame the trailer at like a minute, 11 seconds, I'm in the background. So I'm certainly not, uh, I'm only in the film by accident. Uncredited cameo by Ken right. Kanye. <laughs> I'll have to update my IMDb entry. Yep. So that's the only potential conflict of interest I have with this film. I did not back the Kickstarter. In fact, I didn't even find out about this film until just a few months ago. I don't know how I missed it because this is certainly my beat, but it was on Kickstarter back in 2012, I think, or 2013, and it raised $33,000. I think it was asking for slightly less than that, so she exceeded her expectation. And finally, the film just came out yesterday at the time this airs. That's Tuesday, June 9th, 2015, and we're here to interview the director. Okay, so before we bring Shannon Sun Higginson online, uh, Monica, just remind us one more time where we can find you online. Yep, I'm on Twitter and Tumblr under MCasty Movies. That's M-C-A-S-T-I Movies. Excellent. So let's the two of us tag team and interview Shannon. Let's do it. Today, Monica and I are joined by Shannon Sun Higginson, the director of the film GTFO, or Get the Fuck Out, a movie coming out on June 9th, which by the time this episode airs, was yesterday and is now available at gtfothemovie.com. Hi, Shannon. Hi, thanks for having me, Ken and Monica. Thank you for being on the show. It's such a pleasure to chat with you again. We chatted briefly after I saw the film at the Boston Independent Film Festival in Somerville. Yeah, that was that was a great festival. As of right now, you know, I'm in the middle of the festival circuit, and it's always fun meeting meeting people afterwards and answering their questions. I can only imagine what sort of tour you must be on right now, all this travel. You must be exhausted from conducting interviews like this. Yeah, I'm a little tired, but I'm, you know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. I've been working on this movie for over three years, so uh, I'm pretty used to it. Has this been a side project for you, or have you dedicated yourself like 24-7 to this film? So for the first uh, two years, I think, um, or more, two and a half years, I was working full-time and just did this sort of at nights and weekends. And now you're working on it full-time? Now I'm working on it full-time, and I am working on uh, my second project as well. And then also just freelancing. So not to get ahead of ourselves, but tell us a little bit about what your next project is. It's called The Whitman Project. It's um, even more depressing than Sexism and Games. It's about a murder. More depressing? <laughs> it's about a murder, which is like, oh, I gosh. was really hoping to do something lighthearted after this, and uh, that didn't really work out. It's sort of, we're sort of thinking of it as a series, like a video series, but that's similar to Serial. So we're going back and re-examining a case from 1998. Um, and it actually has the same 
the Whitman family that we're investigating had the same attorney as Adnan Saeed, uh, Christina Gutierrez. So that's just like one factor in this case. But we're sort of trying to go back and see, you know, what went wrong during the investigation and if everything, you know, is above board or there's some stuff that, you know, we can figure out. That serial nature would probably be more akin to your professional background because you were a production coordinator on a variety of TV documentary series, right? That's right, and a producer as well. So what was it like making the leap from those roles to directing your own documentary? I definitely went into this not knowing that I was going to be making a feature documentary. I actually kind of just picked up my camera and started talking to people, and it kind of snowballed from there. There was definitely a lot of useful stuff that I learned from um my old company is Zero Point Zero Production, and we do, you know, the travel, food and travel series, like the Anthony Bourdain series. I guess the biggest thing that I learned is, like, always get releases. <laughs> but other than that, uh, I don't know. I guess I've, it, this whole process of making this movie has been a learning experience from the beginning. So, yeah. And how did you choose this topic of women in games to be the subject of your debut film? For people who see the movie or who have seen the movie, the incident that sort of bookends it, which is this young woman being harassed during a uh, live stream tournament, that was the inciting incident for me. A friend of mine sent me that video and uh, it was it was because he knew I was interested in women's issues, not as a gamer, just as a woman, an adult woman. And uh, I just thought it was, you know, completely ridiculous. And I was really shocked when I watched that video. Actually, that weekend, another friend of mine who is in the games industry had an extra ticket to PAX East. So I actually shot my first two interviews that weekend. And that was PAX East 2013? 2012. Oh, wow. You've been working on this for a long time. Oh, yeah. I confess, I was when I saw the film, I was privately hoping that maybe you were at PAX East 2014 because I did a panel called Sex, Sexy, and Sexism, Fixing Gender Inequality in Gaming, which Brianna Wu was on. Oh, awesome. And actually, Monica helped me name that panel. I think that was a large part of the success of the panel. That's an excellent name. Great work. <laughs> well, Monica has taught me a lot about feminism. She's the one who introduced me to the Bechdel test. Oh, nice. Yes. Right. That is an essential for anyone who is uh, talking about the media, I think. <laughs> Monica, you want to jump in for a bit? Sure. I was curious because I guess there's a little sense of that the story itself sort of changed while you were filming because you were filming well before Gamergate happened. Mm-hmm. And then that all blew up. So can you talk a little bit about having to handle all this new stuff coming to light and how did you incorporate that into your movie? Yeah, Gamergate happened August of last year, I believe August 2014. and the movie was wrapped, pretty much wrapped in May. If Gamergate had happened during the produ- during early production, I would have included it, but I certainly would not have made the movie about Gamergate. I, I, I view it, and I think, you know, the women that I, who are in the movie who I've uh, spoken with about this sort of view it as one in a series of things that has happened, and it's just the most infamous instance. Um, in a way, I guess you could say the silver lining is that people now, there's like a cultural touchstone. And so people actually have been talking about women in games in, in a much more mainstream way than they were before. So I guess that's good that it's becoming part of the conversation. But incidences like that have been happening for longer than I've been making the movie. If it had happened earlier, I think I would have just included it as one of the, the many campaigns, I guess. So sure. Let me see. I think you do a really great job of sort of breaking down the systemic issues of how women are sort of kept out in the industry. Was there ever a time in the editing room or just like in the creation of the film that you sort of had to figure out how to best streamline it or you have to leave out something that you wanted to include and talk about? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, there are, you know, we only had five chapters or, you know, we portray them as video game levels, which are sort of we're trying to explain or sort of parse out what exactly is happening to women in games right now and what what are the cultural reasons behind it, like you said, the systemic reasons. So obviously we had to sort of combine different uh, stories into one. And yeah, I mean, I had to leave out interviews that I thought were really great, but didn't necessarily speak to those particular issues. We had to leave out 
we actually had a chapter before that was about diversity in games in general. And that sort of, you know, became its own beast and got bigger and bigger because there's a lot to say about other groups than women. And we realized it wasn't really fair to give sort of like a throwaway chapter to all other minority groups. We had to cut that chapter. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I was very attached to that we had to get rid of. But you know, that's why it's good to have an outside editor who can come in and be like, I don't care that you like that lady. Like, we're not going to use her. <laughs> who was your outside editor? I had, uh, so I had two editors. It was really cool because on this project, at the time that I started, I was a production coordinator. And then I had uh, my two editors, Ian Park and Ephraim Kirkwood, who are both um, assistant editors at the companies they work for. Um, Ephraim was at the same company as me, 0.0. And then our graphics artist was also like the assistant graphics artist. So it was a lot of just people doing sort of like the more entry level job of the job that they want. Yeah. Oh, by the way, great job on those different levels and things, the animation and sequences. Oh my God, didn't she do such an amazing job? That's like my favorite part of the movie. I adored that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I didn't do it, but she did such a good job. You mentioned that there was a lot of stuff that you left on the cutting room floor, including an entire chapter. Is there any chance that we'll see that in an online release or on a DVD extra? You know, I might put that as an extra on the DVD. We have to get everything legally all aligned (laughs) before we do that, unfortunately. So I have to sort of work that out and see because that does use... um, some footage that hasn't been like properly verified for you know fair use. Gotcha. And what about additional interviews? You said that there were some people that you interviewed that you weren't able to include in the film. Were, was there anybody who you did want to interview, but due to time or scheduling or availability, you weren't able to get them down into the chair? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the, the one interview that would have been um, great to get now, you know, uh, in in retrospect, uh, would have been Zoe Quinn. But like I said, Gamergate didn't happen until afterwards. And I, I think people had mentioned her like I was aware of her. But the way that the interviews happened was very organic, actually. A lot of people, a lot of these women actually know each other and would reference me to each other. Um, and I, you know, when I started, my friends, the two friends that I mentioned earlier, uh, who are very much into games, uh, sent me sort of an overall list of who they think would be interesting or people who that they know are outspoken about this topic. And I would sort of talk to them and then they would, you know, I guess the interview went okay. So they'd, they'd give me the information of somebody else. Um, and it sort of, uh, it sort of took off in that way. So this is definitely like a certain slice of the games industry. Like we definitely don't feel like we represented every woman <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. These are just the people that I ended up talking to. Is that why Boston is so well represented in this show? Because you have Brianna Wu, you have... Maddie Myers. Courtney Stanton. Yeah, that's definitely a big part of it. I mean, they know each other. They all know each other. <laughs> and Todd as well. I didn't get that connection. Yeah. So it's not that you yourself have ties to Boston. Not, no, not exactly. I mean, my boyfriend's from Boston, but... I'm I'm not. <laughs> you asked like if there's somebody that I would have liked to have in the movie. Actually, I was really su- pleasantly surprised to find out um that almost everyone that I reached out to was willing to talk to me. Um I think that just illustrates how much they want this story to be told even in some cases like over their own self-preservation and I was very very concerned with, you know, protecting the women in the movie. And, you know, not pushing any topics that they didn't necessarily want to talk about. Um, but I was um, I was really surprised and thankful that they really opened up and, and were willing to share those personal stories. And like I said, I think I only got one rejection in all the times I was reaching out to people. Um, and that was even like a really friendly rejection. It's <laughs> like, no, thanks. So, yeah. These women are really, men and women who are in the movie are really awesome and um, they just deserve the best. Yeah, and I appreciate that you had that diversity of perspective and you had men on the show talking about the problems they face because when I launched this podcast, one of my concerns was I'm a straight, white, cisgendered dude. What right do I have to be speaking about equality and diversity, especially the harassment of women? It, It can be difficult 
for us to feel like we have something to offer. Absolutely. Definitely. I think it's people like you who really need to take that extra step and go out of their way to, to talk about these subjects because, first of all, it does get exhausting as as uh, as a woman in games or like, you know, I mean, even for me as a just as a feminist, it's like it does get tiring to like always be that person and to always be talking about it and pointing things out. Um, and in a lot of instances um, in this movie, I feel like a lot of the people who are trolls and who are harassing women, they'll listen to their straight, white, cis, male friends, and they won't necessarily listen to me. or They won't necessarily listen to a person that's different from them. So I think those voices are really, really important. And I know that, that that's something that it's kind of funny because you're you're not the first person who's interviewed me who said that, who said that they feel like they can't really have a voice. But like you... It's awesome what you do. And I think it's great when when people actually like go out of their way because you don't actually have to do that for your own pre- self-preservation. You're really doing it for other people. And that that is the group that comes up to me afterwards and they're like, I'm a nice guy. Like, what do I do? <laughs> um, and I think it's great that people actually do want to make a difference. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. So in the course of all these interviews, was there anything you discovered that surprised or appalled you or did you go in pretty much expecting the worst and you found it. Um, yeah. So at the beginning I was shocked by pretty much everything that I saw. Unfortunately, after not, not too much time, I had to become kind of desensitized to it because we are pulling this, you know, rather shocking, upsetting and obscene footage and like sound bites and stuff. Um, so, you know, I can't continue to be shocked by it all throughout. I guess I was most surprised by, how much, how dedicated some of these women are to what they love. Like if there was something, I mean, I don't know if I would be able to stay in an industry where I felt this sort of hatred all the time. And of course, a lot of the women that I spoke with have great experiences and, uh, you know, have never been harassed and, and don't, uh, they recognize that it's a problem for other people, but they personally haven't been through it. But just for the people who get harassing messages every day and then continue to do their work, that's that was really impressive to me. I don't think I would be uh, have the fortitude to do that. Now, you said that not everybody has experienced this harassment, and there are people who are in disbelief that this is an issue. They'll say, well, of course she gets harassed playing online games. Everybody gets harassed playing online games. Mm-hmm. Or conversely, some people might say, well, you know, even women will say, I've never experienced harassment, and therefore I think what other people are experiencing are isolated anecdotes and not symptoms of a larger systemic issue. Mm-hmm. How do you respond to those criticisms? How do you say that, yes, actually, this is a gender-based issue? I think it's, a, a, it's based in a lot of things, and gender is just one of them. Of course, like when you play a game, there's a lot of racism and homophobia as well and all this other fun stuff that people have to deal with. I don't know. I, I would be surprised to find out that a woman plays games online and has never had a gender-based attack. Attack. The people that I'm talking about more are professionals actually within the industry who, you know, have their, their development teams and they've had great experiences. Um, a lot of them work in the indie scene. Um, so that's more who I'm talking about when I say um, I did speak to people who haven't really been harassed. Yeah, I don't know. I think when you hear the messages and see them, it's pretty obvious that those attacks are gendered. And I guess I would say when we did, uh, I think the last screening or one of the last screenings at um, South by, a guy asked me afterwards, like, can we still shit talk in games? And, you know, I'm not opposed to that. I also shit talk when I play games. I mean, I don't, play tons of video games, but I do play games with my friends. And I think that's fine. The the issue comes up when you don't actually think about other people's experiences and what it means to be in an all-male environment and telling a woman that you're going to rape her. It it has a different connotation when it's a stranger online than it is with your friends. And I don't think you should be using that term with your friends because you don't know their experiences either, um, necessarily. Words like that and sort of the the constant come-ons and, um, you know, you saw in the movie Grace, 
um, who I actually met up with in Vancouver, and she did the Q&A with us afterwards. Um, she was really great. Um, Grace GTZ of Fat Ugly or Slutty. It's like these categories um, are pretty identifiable when people are attacking women, and it just doesn't seem to uh, go necessarily in the same direction for men. It doesn't surprise me that that reaction happened at South by when I tweeted about it after seeing catching it at South by there were some folks that had stuff to share and meanly about a movie they haven't even seen yet yes Uh, yes that has happened a lot (laughs) which is my favorite always my favorite as a critic but I was wondering have you had any other I'm sure you've heard some negative reactions and things that have been going on since you've hit the festival circuit yeah, I mean, I actually haven't gotten really any negative feedback from anyone who's seen the movie yet. Uh, I That's mean, I'm good. sure I'm sure there are like there are legitimate criticisms to make about the movie. Like I shot it basically by myself, so like there are definitely some technical issues with the movie. There are, you know, like I said, we had to we had to limit the number of chapters, so I'm sure there are things that are missing that people um, are annoyed by or want to critique and I'm totally open to hearing those criticisms um the the most common thing I've heard is that you know this is a lie and uh and it's a terrible movie but it's from people who haven't seen the movie or like they would make those criticisms during the kickstarter campaign which is before the movie was even made um so I guess once it's out I'll I'm curious to see what people think and how they react but um I can't take comments from people who haven't seen the movie very seriously. Right. There's no, there's nothing really to talk about unless they want to watch it and engage (laughs) and like have a conversation with me. So you even got this talk before you even like really started shooting or editing, constructing the movie uh, during the Kickstarter. Yeah. During the Kickstarter, you know, I had shot some footage and there was a trailer, but there was no, I mean, there wasn't even a rough cut at that point. That's. I don't know. Like, I, yeah, I guess, yeah, when it comes out, we'll, we'll see. I don't know. I can't sit around and like worry about uh, yeah. those reactions really, because otherwise nobody would watch the movie and it wouldn't have been made. <laughs> Do you feel that any of the responses you've received to your film have been based on your status as a gamer or not a gamer? Yes. I don't know. I feel like most uh, documentary filmmakers aren't part of the thing that they're filming necessarily or almost ever so I don't really see that as a factor if anything uh, I would say maybe it well I'm not sure if I should answer this but I feel like it might give me even a little bit of protection because I'm not seen as an intruder like trying to be part of games I'm just sort of uh trying to understand it as an outsider and sort of um explain it to people who might not be aware that this issue is taking place. So I don't know. It hasn't. Well, on June 10th, maybe my answer will be different. I think that's similar to an answer you gave during the Boston Q&A, which I found interesting, was that because you're not a gamer, you're not seen as an intruder. Yeah, that's, I mean, I don't know. Like these um, sort of the, the bigger instances of harassment, they just seem so, so random to me. I don't think that if you are a woman and you speak up, there's like a 100% chance that you're going to have an enormous harassment campaign against you. It, it just seems um, targeted in an odd way that I, I don't really understand, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think the fact that I am a filmmaker and I'm, you know, moving on to my next project after this, like I, I will continue to sort of, you know, do community screenings and like, I'm still interested in this issue, but the movie's already done. I guess maybe that helps. I I don't know. I don't know if I should say that. Cause like, probably I'm just like going to get attacked right now. I also don't really have a big online presence. Like I don't have my own Twitter. So any attacks would be, I guess about the movie, but you have to watch the movie before you attack it. <laughs> That's my policy. <laughs> One piece of comforting news I can offer is anything you may say on this podcast that you're concerned may provoke attacks. For better or for worse, this podcast seems to be almost preaching to the choir. Uh, There aren't a lot of gamer gators who listen to this show because it takes a lot of patience and dedication to listen to the enemy long enough to get this far into an interview. Right, I know. 
And so I'm wondering, who is the target audience for your film? Do you think that it's mostly being watched by gamers who are appalled by this misogyny? Or do you think it's by trolls who are open to having their minds changed and their eyes opened about the perspective of women in games? Yeah, I don't know if that latter group exists. <laughs> um, to me, the, the movie has two main uh, target audiences. The first one just is people like myself uh, who don't didn't know about this issue. And just to sort of start that conversation and and get people engaged and sort of realizing what's going on in games. And, I, you know, I tried to explain everything in the movie for myself, like try not to use uh, too much lingo and um, <laughs> try to make it easy to understand for people who might not play games that much. Um, so that's the that's the first part, just like pure awareness and sort of examining this topic. And then the second one is gamers who do recognize that this is a problem, but haven't really thought about how to change it, or I guess haven't realized the scope of the problem. I have a lot of people coming up to me and saying like, what can I do? Like, I'm a nice guy. I'm a good guy. Like, I don't want this to be games. Um, and I think that's a very reasonable opinion to hold because if you love something, you probably want it to be portrayed well in uh, the public eye. So um, I guess it's sort of for those those guys as well. And also, I, I guess the, you could say the third group is, you know, for women who didn't realize that this was happening to other people as well to sort of feel like they're not alone. You mentioned that this film was done being shot last May and then Gamergate broke out in August. Mm -hmm. Up until then, did you have a sense that things were getting better? Is this an optimistic film? I don't know. You saw it. Do you think it's an optimistic film? Well, I thought the way you ended the film was brilliant, and I don't want to spoil it for anybody who saw it, but I was expecting something more conclusive. Mm -hmm. And when you didn't give me that, I thought, wow, that's brilliant. Oh, thank you. Because it is up to us, and we don't know what the answer is. And, th and then you had that coda. You had the Gamergate part. Yeah. At first, I was a little bit confused by what I was seeing because... I've been trained to expect that post-credit sequences are something that I find in Marvel movies. <laughs> so, and so I thought like you were teasing your next documentary. Like, oh, that's funny. Yeah. There's going to be a GTFO 2 and it's going to be exclusively about Gamergate. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, this is sort of a bringing us up to speed about what's happened lately and it's not all good. Yeah. So, I mean, for an issue like this, it kind of, it does have to get worse before it gets better in a way. I hope that this movie and... Uh, hopefully other movies like it um, and other projects that people are doing sort of bring this issue to light and and um, start, you know, we can start to make it less acceptable to attack people anonymously online and not just women and not just in games, just in general, like just to be better people on the internet. I don't know if it's necessarily getting better. I would say it's just people are more aware of it now. So, you know, acceptance is the first step. And then from there, you know, we can sort of take like bigger, bigger steps. I like that you said acceptance because a lot of people use the word tolerance, like it's a good thing. And I understand the meaning behind that word, but tolerance is sort of begrudgingly allowing somebody to exist in your space as opposed to celebrating the diversity. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, nobody really wants to be tolerated, but I guess that is the first, that's the first step. When I say acceptance, I more mean not like acceptance of the fact that women are around, just acceptance of the fact that this is a real issue. Um, right. Instead right. of just being blind to it or just pretending that it's not happening. Or just saying, hey, it's part of the culture. If you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. Uh, I think that's a quote from the movie. <laughs> Or like, get back in the kitchen and make me a sandwich. <laughs> I know, you can't have it both ways. <laughs> I was curious to hear if any of the interviewees in the film have seen it yet, and have they given you any feedback? Yeah, so I sent it to, um, I sent it to the Kickstarter backers, and then everyone who's in the movie. It's kind of funny, because a lot of the people, um, particularly the people that are kind of quirky and funny, and that audiences really like, are, you know, self-conscious about watching themselves on camera, which I completely understand. I would not want to watch myself in a documentary. I mean, that that has been some of the feedback. I think people like tried to be brave or like they would get together with each other. For example, um, the Boston people got together and, um, and watched it just so that they could 
sort of riff on it and like discuss it and not have to like watch themselves on a screen by themselves, which probably feels weird to a lot of people because these are not, you know, they're not actors, yeah, um, they're not performers, they're you know, real people. So, um, that's been honestly like the biggest reaction that I've had. And then other than that, just people, um, you know, saying thanks for making the movie. That's good. I mean, I try to portray everyone. I think everyone comes across really well, really well-spoken and smart and insightful. I hope that they're not worried about that component of it. And there's so many different voices in it too. Like I can't really pinpoint a bit one like person that well maybe maddie might be the closest who dominated the movie but otherwise it's like a pretty shared look at different aspects of the industry yeah i mean just for pure convenience sake and for my budget like it made a lot of sense to focus on the boston people because i could come back and do follow-up interviews Mm -hmm. um and get those sort of like at home, like those B-roll shots and those conversations. Um, a lot of the other interviews were, um, if they didn't take place in the Northeast, they were like one-off interviews. So if I didn't get it then, then I just didn't get it. Do you see yourself doing a follow-up documentary? Revisiting the issue after maybe a couple years, see what happens? Yeah. yeah, people have been asking me about that. Actually, they've been people have been asking whether I'm making a Gamergate documentary and also whether I'm making a series with like the next one being about people of color and the next one being about, you know, queer gamers. I would love to do something like that. I I don't know. I guess we have to see sort of how this all plays out. Very good. I would love to see a sequel. (laughs) I thought it interesting that a lot of the interviewees that you had in the film, like Brianna Wu and Maddie Myers and Nadia Sarkeesian, all ended up also being some of the prime targets of Gamergate. That's not necessarily surprising because we're drawn to outspoken individuals who have a lot of say on the subject. Same reason why Brianna was on my PAX East panel six months before Gamergate happened. Mm-hmm. But without even knowing what Gamergate was yet, you nonetheless assembled an all-star cast. Like I said, the, the process of finding these um, interviews was very organic. So I guess it was like partially lucky and also partially just people who, yeah, like you said, were outspoken about this topic you know, had something to say about it and wanted to talk about it. Now, this film is being released on Vimeo for online rental or purchase, streaming and download. Obviously, the market and distribution channels for films like this have changed a lot in the last 10 years with the advent of Kickstarter and broadband and Vimeo and YouTube. What made you choose to go with Vimeo? Because you also mentioned that there will be a DVD release as well. Yeah, so uh, I'm working with a distributor, Film Buff, and the pre-sale is on Vimeo. Um, On June 9th, it's going to be available on iTunes, um, and we're trying to get it on on sale on Xbox as well. And then after that, we're doing, sort of doing like, trying to do a TV release, and then in the meantime, I'm doing uh, community, like local screenings and stuff. So basically, just however we can get it out, we can't, we will do it. So yeah, I think, I mean, at some point, DVDs are going to be available as well. But I don't know, people who are into this subject probably are not the DVD type, I assume. Maybe they are. <laughs> they probably just want to watch it on their computer immediately. That's what I would do. <laughs> Off their Xbox. <laughs> Off their Xbox, exactly. <laughs> One benefit I found to physical media is libraries. They love to have it in stock, and it's a great way to get it out to people. Yeah, I'm talking to a lot of um, universities and libraries that are interested in picking it up, and I think uh, it would be great if um, if people started showing this in, in classrooms, I think, just because like a lot of the people, you know, this starts really young, um, this sort of attitude. And I mean that on both ends, like people just feeling like women don't belong in games and then women feeling like they can't really do it. Some, a few people shared their stories in the movie. I think particularly Courtney and Maddie, um, talking about growing up and then at a certain point having the, the boys in their lives tell them that they shouldn't be there anymore. So I would love if, you know, we could get this movie out to young people. Maybe I have to find like a more PG rated version, although it's not quite as effective. You'd have to rename it to GTHO. Yeah. Yeah, actually the other day like some we had a an announcement for the movie and she actually she accidentally said GT fuck o which is like wow, that's that totally defeats the point. So close but so far. Um, it should be like get the f out. Yes. And <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, B for effort. <laughs> so you, you mentioned there are other documentaries that are going to be addressing this. Game Loading, I think, either recently came out or is coming out, and it touched upon this subject. And I've heard of another film in development called No Princess in the Castle. Yes, Did, I've heard of that as well. Did you bump up against any of these during your research and editing? No, actually, I think they kind of started after they were a little bit behind me. So not at the same, like when, I don't think we were in production at the same time, is what I'm trying to say. Maybe that we were, maybe Game Loading and I were at the same time. I did talk to the guys from Gaming in Color, which is about the uh, LGBTQ community in games. Um, and we had our Kickstarters at the same time. So that was nice. It kind of felt like we were sister movies in a way. And we're hoping to do like double features and stuff. I think the more movies about this, the better. Like, I really don't think of any of these people as competition because I want there to be more movies about women in games. And from my understanding of No Princess in the Castle, I think there aren't too many um, overlapping, I guess, characters, you would say, or interviewees. Um, I think theirs is more about professional gaming. I'm, I'm not 100% sure if that's true. So don't, don't quote me on that. But, um, I want to see more movies about this, so I don't see a problem with it at all. Well, the folks at Gaming in Color speak very highly of you. At the time that we're recording this interview, you and I, I'm interviewing Philip Jones tomorrow. Oh, awesome. Well, them I say hi. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> I will certainly do so. Uh, by the time your and my episode airs, the interview with Philip will have aired two weeks ago. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I'm talking, you know, I've been, <laughs> I think I've mentioned their movie in like almost every one of my <laughs> interviews. Because I want people to know that there are other, you know, there are other movies about sort of similar related topics as well that people can check out. Yeah, and they are similar. And I was actually in that mindset thinking of maybe having you and Philip on the show together for a director's roundtable. But at the same time, these are very different issues also. And and they're, they warrant their own attention and their own documentaries. And I didn't want to just lump them all together and say, oh, everybody's talking about harassment. Everybody experiences it. It's all the same. Right. Yeah, that that was sort of what I was struggling with, with the diversity chapter that I mentioned earlier, um, was that it felt like a little bit weird to say, like, gay people also go through this. Like, that's a ridiculous thing to say, because of course they do, but it needs its own entire movie. <laughs> you can't just, you know, quickly reference it and be like, well, that's, that's, that's it. That's all they got. Um, so I'm really glad that this movie is coming out at the same time. And hopefully we can like continue to promote each other and uh, talk to each other and work together. I was glad to see you address that very point in the FAQ on your Kickstarter, where you asked, you answered questions like, will the film cover other minority groups besides women? Or all people are harassed during gaming. Why is the film just about women? Mm -hmm. And as you said, to address each of these unique groups and their unique experiences and respect what they've gone through would be a much larger film than just 90 minutes. Right, exactly. Like if you want to watch a 10-hour series about it then you totally can i didn't make that but like i could have like we could have tried to explore every single group i don't know it's just i think a movie about harassment in general would be really really big and kind of hard to hard to focus and because i came into this hearing about um women in games in particular like that was that's my subject that was my focus um, and I didn't want to, you know, veer away from that too much. Since this is such a large topic and an ongoing one, did you consider instead of one discrete work, instead doing a serial like Anita Sarkeesian has, or even to a lesser extent, Jason Scott? Yeah, I thought about it a little bit um, when we were trying to figure out how to divide it. We were wondering if maybe each chapter should be its own like mini um, episode. Um, and I, I think it can still be watched in that way. <laughs> like it can be interpreted in that way because they are sort of discrete pieces, even though there are consistent characters throughout. I don't know. I guess it just ended up at a length that made sense for a feature. And I think this is a good way to get people to, to watch it. I mean, to, you know, to submit it to festivals and all that stuff. Um, I guess that's just sort of the length we ended up with. But my next project is a series, so... Yay! I guess I'll experiment with that. <laughs> a return to form. Yeah. <laughs> so someone who goes to see GTFO, what do you want their takeaway to be, other than awareness that this is an issue? Um, I guess awareness, and uh, like you said, I don't, <laughs> we, we don't want to really spoil the ending, 
but like people need to do whatever they need to do to stay sane. So um, we're also creating um, an online resource for people to share their stories, um, sort of like come up with ideas of things that they can do in their daily lives to improve the environment around them and uh, find, you know, meetups where they can feel safe or find like coding classes. So um, I definitely, my biggest concern making, or one of my biggest concerns making the movie, I guess there were a lot of concerns because of this subject, was I didn't want to discourage any young women from entering this industry. And so we really tried to get across that there are places that you can work and there are games you can play and there are things you can do and meetups and conferences and um, all that good stuff that actually will foster a a positive, happy environment. So I I definitely want that to be a takeaway for, um, for viewers, particularly viewers who may be interested in games because games are awesome. Like it's, it's sad that this happens. I know it's supposed to be a medium all about fun and community. And it's, it's embarrassing that we have to explain to people that it's something else. And that other thing is ugly and awful. Yeah. It's so bizarre because if you love something, don't you want people to also love it? Like, it's so strange to me that, that this, um, sort of like hateful corner of games like exists and is so prevalent and becomes, you know, part of the mainstream. Um, actually from making this movie, I got, way more into games than I was before because I always thought of them as like a place where you run around shooting people and not that I have you know anything against that genre like people who like it totally like it but uh I just didn't have the hand-eye coordination but I didn't really consider the fact that you can play a game where you're just world exploring or building or learning or problem solving and it's just um there's there's so much uh creative possibility space that I hadn't thought of before. And it seems like um, women and other minority groups seem to sort of go along with that, with that indie scene. And um, I guess that's part of like where that sort of backlash comes from. It's like you're changing games, but it's, it's there. Games are such an exciting point right now. I feel hopefully things will get better and then more people will join. And then at a certain point it'll reach a breaking point and then it'll just become like, every other industry that started out being really mean to new groups. <laughs> well, as Monica can attest, Hollywood still has a ways to go as well. Oh, completely. Yeah. I guess, yeah, we could talk a little bit real quick on just your experience as now a woman director. making This is your first feature, right? It is, yeah. Well, we talked a little bit about the first time jumping in front of the camera. Have you felt any sort of backlash? Or you kind of did this project on your own, so you haven't really maybe um, run into some of the things that's been coming out now in the LA times and the New York times and the whole UCLA uh, case that just uh, was brought up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you seen, I mean, I'm sure you have, but the uh, it's like shit people say to women directors, I think. Oh yes. I just, I just discovered that I might be slightly behind the curve. Um, I thought that was amazing and hilarious, but also sad. Yeah. I don't know. I, I did make this by myself. Like it, mostly by myself, I had friends come on very generously and like volunteer to help um, with second camera and stuff, um, help with equipment. And then after I did the Kickstarter, I was able to hire this post production team. But the people I hired were all people that I already liked and knew, so that environment um, didn't really come up. Like the on set environment didn't really mm-hmm. it didn't hasn't really affected me. Um, the company that I was working for before, uh, everyone's really great there. So I didn't really feel it there. Um, in particular, I guess the only thing I would say is when we went to South by my two male editors came down and there were just a few like minor instances, which I, I hadn't even like considered. Like I knew that women in Hollywood is, um, a very, uh, big hot button issue right now. And I know that the statistics are, not quite as bad as games, but still really depressing. Um, just for like sheer number of women, particularly in um, the technical uh, areas of production. And um, so there were definitely a few times when we were walking around and I'm also just like kind of short compared to them. So there were just times when guys would come up and talk to them about the movie. And of course I'm happy to let 
like the editors know the movie as well as I do. So I'm happy to let them answer everything. But then they return to me like, oh, who are you? Like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, yeah. I made it. <laughs> I just directed this. It's okay. I, I made the thing. <laughs> oh. um, so, but yeah, I mean, really, like, that's, you know, that's almost, that's like nothing compared to the stuff that people have to deal with. But that was my really, my main, ex- you know, my only experience with it so far. And it was funny, actually, somebody brought that up as a question afterwards for one of the festival screenings. And I hadn't even thought about it before she had asked me. Because, I don't know, I made it by, I made it. Yeah. With my camera and my tripod and, like, no sound, um, as you can probably tell when you watch the movie. And, uh, and then I just hired, you know, people that I knew and trusted. So, um Maybe in the future, I'll have some fun experiences to tell you about. <laughs> yeah, maybe in the future, I'll run into the sexism. <laughs> yeah. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Awesome. Uh, anything else on that topic, Monica? Oh, I, th- I think that's good. <laughs> right. that a very sad note to end on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, editing magic. We can shuffle it around, probably. <laughs> I leave it well, to Ken. Oh, boy. Thanks, Monica. awesome we were having a great interview and then you had to go and bring it down and then leave it to me to fix it (laughs) honestly well awesome i'm so looking forward to the distribution of gtfo it comes out yesterday june 9th and it can be found online at gtfothemovie.com as well as on twitter at gtfothemovie and it can be streamed on vimeo at vimeo.com slash on demand slash gtfo there is of course a link on the GTFO website. Uh, Shannon, what is next for you? You talked about your big project, but in the short term, are you going to continue on the circuit and showing this film? Yeah, we have a, um, you know, we're sort of doing community screenings now. So if anyone's interested in bringing this to their their local, either their meetup or just their local community, um, their company, um, that's something that we're setting up now too, because I think it warrants a discussion afterwards. And I really, really like hearing people's feedback and talking to them, um, about how the movie affected them afterwards. So that's sort of alongside the online, um, purchases, which I hope people do as well. <laughs> Excellent. I am on the diversity committee at my workplace and we have a quarterly movie night and I recommended GTFO for our next one. So hopefully it'll be shown there. Yes. Yes, please. <laughs> Wonderful. I already gave your website and your Twitter anywhere else that people should be looking online for information about this movie or related resources? Yeah, so it's it's available on iTunes uh, in addition to Vimeo. Uh, like I said, hopefully Xbox. And then you can also follow us on Facebook. Everything is GTFO, the movie. Excellent. Consistent branding. That makes it easy. Okay, good. Great. Well, thank you so much, Shannon. We appreciate your time and good luck with the rest of the, the circuit. Thank you. Thanks, Ken and Monica. It's so nice to you guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Good luck. Thank you. This has been Polygamer, a GameBits production. Find more episodes, read our blog, or send feedback at polygamer.net. A wild Monica has appeared. Yes. Oh, <laughs> I make that joke so many times. There's so many people that don't get it. What? I know. You're running with the wrong crew. I guess so. Critic's not hip to it. Whatever. You need to move back to Boston. Man, don't even tell me. <laughs> <laughs>